we, I think it's fair to say, have still not solved the infrastructure problem. And so this is a purely positive sum win-win thing. We don't think that there's any reason for any other ecosystem to not join the Polygon Act layer. I would definitely do a tweet on this. I want to see what people on Twitter have moved. No one would have believed you. What's up, Crypto Farm? Welcome to Cointelegraph's Hashing It Out. I'm your host, Elisha, and you can find me on Twitter at GHCryptoGuy. On this show, we will talk about crypto and everything Web3 with upcoming talent and leaders in the space. We will be taking you on a ride around the crypto block, answering questions and highlighting the next big innovations in the space. Before we dive in, remember to follow us on whatever platform you're tuning in from so you don't miss another episode. And if you want more crypto news as it happens, check out Cointelegraph.com. It's time to hash it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hashing It Out with your guy, GH Crypto Guy. You can also call me Elisha. Today, we're talking about an idea or something that a lot of my listeners have heard me talk about a couple of times, which is Layer 2's ZK technology. But today, we're talking about it in a different way and from a different perspective. Joining me today is Brendan Farmer, who is co-founder of Polygon and co-leads Polygon Zero a team focused on the applied cryptography of zero-knowledge proofs and proven systems. Polygon Zero is responsible for the development of Clonky2 and Stacky, a proven system and polynomial commitment scheme known for fast, efficient, recursive proving. And I'm pretty sure a couple of you are already scratching your head wondering what I'm talking about, but <laughs> we are going to get into that. Hello, Brandon, and welcome. Hey, Elisha. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. So let's start with the one of the biggest announcements from Polygon in the last couple of months. I wouldn't say the biggest announcement, but Polygon has announced a lot. So we're going to get to that part. But Polygon 2.0, what's that about? Where are we going? Yeah, so Polygon 2.0 was something that we put out last year. And initially it was sort of a vision. It was asking the question, how do we take a multi-chain ecosystem so the nice thing about multi-chain ecosystems is that they're sort of, in a sense, they have unlimited scalability because we can always add new chains to accommodate demand for block space. But how do we take a multi-chain ecosystem and give it unified liquidity and unified state? So the big problem with multi-chain ecosystems is that liquidity is fragmented. Like you have different Uniswap pools on Arbitrum and Optimism and Polygon, and that's not great. Like if we think about what we're trying to do with scaling in crypto, we're really trying to scale access to liquidity and shared state. And so the goal and the vision of Polygon 2.0 was how do we take this multi-chain ecosystem that Polygon has always been, and how do we create sort of a structure to enable unified liquidity in this ecosystem so that users can use this sort of boundlessly scalable ecosystem in a way that feels like using a single chain. So you get the best of both the monolithic and the modular approaches to, to scaling. And how is that going, trying to bring both worlds together? It's going really well. So uh, last week, we announced the launch date for the Ag Layer. So the Ag Layer for us is kind of like the secret sauce of Polygon 2.0. It's the thing that allows chains to interoperate at really, really low latency and share liquidity in a way that's safe, and secure and sort of flexible for chains in the Polygon ecosystem. So you can imagine like right now, the big problem is 
Like Ethereum has this big ecosystem of L2s, right? So there are optimistic rollups like Optimism and Base and Arbitrum. And there are ZK rollups like Polygon ZKVM and ZK Sync and Starkware. But if I want to send funds from one rollup to another, the way that I do that trustlessly is I have to withdraw my funds via the native bridge to Ethereum. And so I have to wait. In the case of optimistic rollups, I have to wait seven days. But in the case of ZK rollups, I have to wait, you know, maybe like 20 to 30 minutes for someone to create a proof. And then I have to wait another 12 to 19 minutes for a block to be finalized to Ethereum. And then I can deposit my funds into another rollup. And so the ag layer is something that basically allows us to do this at super low latency. So like under, you know, eventually it'll be like one to two seconds and we can do it trustlessly and safely between chains in the Polygon ecosystem. So the ag layer is sort of this vision that, we, um, that we've laid out and we're really excited to be launching the first version, the first milestone in February. Sounds interesting. I think you've already like started running us through the various things that Polygon is building. The biggest thing that a lot of people have said about Polygon in the last couple of months beyond Polygon 2.0 is the fact that there have been so many announcements. So let's run through all the things happening at Polygon right now, because it's very hard for all of us to keep up. Yeah. Maybe I'm not doing well. Maybe I should turn my notifications on, but yeah, <laughs> what's going on at Polygon? So I do think, and you know, this isn't like a criticism of my coworkers at Polygon, but I do think it's well recognized now by those of us that work at Polygon that Polygon has occasionally in the past been guilty of maybe a lack of focus. So at one point we had uh, Polygon POS and Polygon Edge and Polygon Avail and Polygon ID and Polygon ZKVM, Polygon Zero, Polygon Maiden. And that's, I think that we grew really fast and we had a lot of teams that were working on different things. But the problem was it was difficult to sort of like communicate to people what the end goal was. Like what was the single unifying vision for Polygon? And we're doing a lot better at that over the past three months. And now the way that you should think about Polygon is it's two things. So it's Polygon CDK, which is basically, it's the Polygon chain development kit. And it is the library and sort of the client and the proving system that powers all of Polygon block space from the Polygon ZKVM to Polygon chains that are set up for other parties like the OKX chain or ASTAR or Manta or Kanto. And then there's the ag layer, which is the thing that kind of stitches all of this together. So on the one hand, we have block space that runs on Polygon technology. And on the other hand, we have the ag layer that allows for that block space to feel like uni using a unified chain. Yeah. So the other question I was going to ask, and, and I'm thinking about it twice, because I feel like you've already gotten into the answer, which is like, where's Polygon really going? And I think you already yeah. like, captured that, but just to make it more simple for people to understand what's the end goal, what's the end game? Yeah. So one way that I would describe it is that right now, the crypto scaling discussion is kind of caught between two sides. So on the one hand, we have the monolithic side. So this is like Solana and uh, like high performance chains. And they argue that, you know, the best way to scale is with a single high performance chain because it allows us to maintain composability and unified liquidity and access to state. And on the other hand, there's the modular approach, which says, you know, we should split up the different parts of a blockchain and maybe we can use Ethereum for settlement and data availability. And then we can use rollups for execution. And 
the advantage of this approach is that we can have a multi-chain ecosystem, like a roll-up ecosystem on top of Ethereum. But I think each side gets some things right and some things wrong. So the monolithic approach, I think, is correct that really the thing that we're trying to scale in crypto is access to shared state and liquidity and composability. And the modular approach understands correctly that we'll never be able to accommodate like an internet scale crypto ecosystem on a single chain. Like there will always just be limits that we can't exceed if we're trying to run a decentralized replicated state machine at super, super high throughput. And so the sort of vision and, and the reason that Polygon exists is to sort of chart a third path. So we call it the aggregated path, which is where we use ZK technology to take a multi-chain ecosystem and unify liquidity and state and composability across that multi-chain ecosystem. And so we do it with CDK, which is the what we call the chains and the block space that exists in the Polygon ecosystem. And then the ag layer, which is basically what connects all of those chains together and allows them to cross-chain interoperability and share state and liquidity at super low latency. Before we come back to Polygon, let's talk about the broader crypto landscape and talk about modular blockchains. They've become really popular recently. What's the hype about and would we see them replace monolithic blockchains in the coming? Yeah. So so I think that um, that modular blockchains are really cool because I think they correctly recognize that different parts of the stack can be split up and different chains and different users have heterogeneous requirements for what they're looking for from kind of the infrastructure that powers their application. And so if you are trying to play a crypto game, then I think that your requirements for decentralization and for security and for data availability are different from if you are like a DeFi whale that's trying to transact on Uniswap. And so I think what the modular thesis gets right is that it says we can split up these different components of the monolithic blockchain stack and we can use different services to offer different trade-offs to different users. So the DeFi user that wants sort of a maximally secure roll-up ecosystem with the same security as Ethereum can use a roll-up that uses Ethereum for data availability and uses zero knowledge proofs and uh, all these security properties. Whereas someone that's playing a game can use a centralized sequencer and a Validium or you know, a roll-up that settles on Celestia. So I think it's attractive to people to basically have more choice and more ability to select the trade-offs that make sense to their applications and their users. So I think another trend, which is not new, has been around for a while now, but is becoming very popular than it used to be is the concept of layer twos. Do we have too many layer twos and will we see layer twos evolve into something else? So no, I actually don't think we have enough layer twos, but I think that if we think about before you go on, <laughs> before you go on, that's really interesting. <laughs> I will definitely do a tweet on this. I want to see what people on Twitter think. <laughs> because a lot of people on Twitter are like, yeah, that's so I mean, layer twos, it's getting outrageous. <laughs> I mean, they might kill me for saying that, but I do think that there's a sense in which we might have too many layer twos for the current level of demand in crypto. So there are a lot of chains that have a lot of empty blocks and I think that this kind of goes back to Polygon's thesis, which is like, what are we doing if we're just providing block space, but we're not providing scalable access to liquidity? And so my thesis is in the medium or the long term, like we will need enough chains, enough layer twos to offer enough capacity for a crypto ecosystem that works at internet scale. And fundamentally, that's all layer twos 
do, right? They just provide more block space for users to access shared state and liquidity. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think in the future, we should expect more layer twos. I do think that layer two chains, some layer two chains at least, will become sort of commoditized and there will be mechanisms and wallets and sort of UX tools that basically abstract those layer twos away from users. So users won't know that they're going on to some like branded L2 chain to then like batch a trade that's then ex executed on a Uniswap pool with really deep liquidity on some rollup. Their wallet will just do that for them. But I think overall, like I would expect that the number of L2s would scale as the demand to use crypto scales. Sounds interesting. So I think it's a good way to segue into one of the main things that we're going to be talking about, which is the Aglia and how it's going to be changing the way EVM chains work, allowing them to upgrade from EVM chains to ZK-based layer two platforms. What does that mean technically? before we get into why this is important. Yeah, sure. So technically, I know it's hard to keep track of all the uh, the Polygon announcements, and so we could still probably get better at spacing those out, but it's the, um, so we released two things over the last two weeks, the Aglayer launch date, and then the Polygon Type 1 Prover. And so the Type 1 Prover is actually what allows for any EVM chain to become a ZKL2 and, and join the Aglayer. And I can kind of briefly go into what a type one prover even is. So the types of provers is a framework that was set out by Vitalik. And about a year ago, Polygon released a type three ZKVM prover. And what that means is we released this chain that we call Polygon ZKVM and any existing Ethereum contract, any existing Ethereum wallet, dev developer tool, uh, you name it, can be used seamlessly and without modification on Polygon ZKVM. And so this is an amazing experience. We get the scalability and security of zero-knowledge proofs, and we maintain compatibility with developer tools and wallets and, and existing smart contracts. But what this can't do is we can't take our type 3 or type 2 ZKVM prover and use it to generate proofs for an existing EVM chain. And there are a lot of EVM chains, and there's a lot of users and liquidity and activity that's happening on these EVM chains. And it's fragmented, right? Like there's stuff happening on Ethereum, there are things happening on BSC, on Polygon POS. And so fundamentally what the type one allows us to do is it allows us to take any EVM chain. So any sidechain or optimistic rollup, even Ethereum itself, and generate zero knowledge proofs that guarantee that every transaction that occurs on those chains is valid. And so what this allows us to do is we can do things like take an optimistic rollup that's running now. And that optimistic rollup isn't providing a good user experience to its users because it imposes a seven-day withdrawal delay. And so users have to pay a ton of money in aggregate to third-party bridges to get around this. But with the type one prover, we can just start generating proofs for that chain and users can exit that chain at the speed of zero-knowledge proofs. So we completely get rid of that capital inefficiency. And we can go a step further and we can take our type one prover and we can use it to connect that optimistic rollup, that sidechain, to the ag layer. So all of that chain's users and liquidity and activity can join the shared liquidity and user base and state of the ag layer. And so this is a purely positive sum win-win thing for 
both all of the chains that are already in the Polygon ecosystem, but also any chain that decides to also deploy on the iClayer. Why is this important for the landscape and just like the layer two sector in the blockchain industry? Yeah, I think when you look at sort of the success that Solana has had over the last year, they offer a really good user experience. And that's because they offer a single environment where you don't have to bridge, you don't have to make your users think about what rollup they're on. And if Ethereum is going to succeed, it can't be a fragmented L2 ecosystem. It has to be a unified ecosystem. And so our view at Polygon is our contribution to the Ethereum ecosystem is the ag layer. And so the ag layer for us is like what stitches together a fragmented L2 ecosystem that currently exists on Ethereum and makes it something that's both boundlessly scalable, but also has unified liquidity and users and state. So one interesting thing about the layer two ecosystem and the various platforms building in the layer two ecosystem is like everyone is trying to build an ecosystem of their own. So ZK Sync has its own ecosystem where it's making it easier for people to build on top of ZK. We have Optimism with the Optimism stack. We have Arbitrum and don't remember the name, but I know Arbitrum has its own like ecosystem where it's allowing people to build on top of Arbitrum. Mm-hmm. And Rari Chain is an example of a platform that is building on Arbitrum. And then we have Polygon and the Polygon CDK and people building on top of Polygon like OKX. How is Polygon planning to compete? Because now we're not just talking about competing against other layer two platforms or other layers. They are one, they are two, they are three platforms just as a singular chain, but as an ecosystem where other people are building on top of Polygon. Yeah, sure. I think that's a great question. We see network effects developing around the ag layer because if you can, if the shortest path for liquidity and for users is the ag layer, then liquidity and DeFi activity that already exists on chains that are in the Polygon ecosystem will be likely to stay inside the Polygon ecosystem. And so for us, like the goal is to offer a superior user and developer experience within that ecosystem. And that gives chains on other ecosystems a compelling reason to become ZK-powered chains and to join the Agler. And so like for us, other ecosystems put restrictions on the chains that are a part of their ecosystem. So I might be getting the numbers wrong, but I think Arbitrum charges like a 10% revenue share to uh, all chains that exist in the Arbitrum ecosystem. I think Optimism, it's like 15%. And Polygon doesn't charge anything because from Polygon's perspective, if a chain has liquidity and has economic value, it's a win-win for them to join the Polygon ecosystem. Like we're primarily focused on growing the pie. I would say exclusively focused on growing the pie in the Polygon ecosystem. And so like our vision of the world isn't incompatible with the OP super chain deciding to upgrade to ZK and join the Polygon ag layer. They can still run a shared sequencer within the ag layer. Their chains can sort of conform to the requirements and the restrictions that are imposed by Arbitrum or by Optimism rather. But fundamentally, they can now interoperate faster and more safely, and they can access the liquidity and the users and the state that exists in the Polygon ecosystem. And so for us, like I think it's tempting to want to compete and to want to you know view building an L2 ecosystem as a zero-sum game where we have to compete for chains and for market share. But from where we're positioned and from like our view of the world, 
we don't think that there's any reason for any other ecosystem to not join the Polygon Ag layer. And from there, chains can compete for users and liquidity, but they can do it on the same footing because they'll all be ZK powered and they'll all be able to, to interoperate and to, uh, to access this amazing ecosystem of unified liquidity and unified state. We are seeing a shift towards ZK-based platforms or networks. What's inspiring that shift and why are people moving away from other forms of technology like optimistic rollups? Yeah, so I think it's the development of the technology. It's sort of a funny story. So I started a project along with Daniel Lubrov called Mir that was acquired by Polygon in late 2021. And so prior to Polygon, we were working on a ZK-powered blockchain and we started doing that in 2019. And back in 2019, there was an enormous amount of skepticism around ZK as a technology. So we would talk to people and they would be skeptical that we could even build a blockchain that would support simple transfers, like sort of the equivalent of Bitcoin, where you could only send funds. And it turns out that in 2019, we were in the very early stages of a parabolic growth and development of a technology. And so we've seen and we've contributed to massive improvements in the efficiency and, and cost of ZK proofs. And so we're just seeing like the possibilities for what we can do with ZK tech just explode. And for us, like the type one prover is a great example. Like if you had said to anyone five years ago, you're going to be able to generate proofs for Ethereum transactions, and you're going to be able to do so for two to three tenths of a cent, no one would have believed you. And we can do that. And we expect that the cost is going to continue to decrease. We've set sort of an optimistic but reasonable estimate that we think that the cost of the type one prover is going to decrease by 30 to 50x by the end of the year. And this is just like an incredible development in the technology. And I think that if you look at like past computing platforms, it's always a mistake to bet against the development of technology. And at Polygon, we are firmly and with conviction betting on the continued development of CK tech. So beyond the networks themselves, there has been a conversation about what's been built on the networks. And I think you spoke about the fragmentation in terms of liquidity. And I think you also did speak about the possibility of us like having a fragmentation in terms of users when you mentioned that you don't think there are enough layer one or layer two platforms and we need more to be able to build capacity for the influx of users that we want coming in. But another important aspect of the ecosystem is the dApps that are built on top of the layer two networks. And we have seen some fragmentation in the sense that We've seen some developers build specifically for specific blockchains or specific networks, which then means that I don't want to use the word shortage, but you have a shortage of some kinds of applications on particular platforms, or you have a situation where there's just a copy and paste method of just taking one application and making multiple copies of it on the same blockchain. That gets a bit boring sometimes, even though like for DEXs, I'm assuming it's a decentralized exchange, it works, so it's fine. But how is Polygon trying to attract developers and trying to get that killer dub that would bring the next million users? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I agree that there aren't really killer apps. Like, like the shortage that we're running into, I, I think exactly like you said, is one of high quality apps. And so I think this strategy for Polygon has two parts. So the first part is to build superior infrastructure and to build infrastructure that, that can actually support 
you know, massive growth in user base and activity. Because what we've seen in crypto has been this like repeated history of moderately successful app or a very successful app is built and then it runs fairly immediately into like massive and intractable scaling problems. So from like crypto kitties to a lot of stuff that happened in the last cycle, we I think it's fair to say have still not solved the infrastructure problem. And so the first priority and sort of the reason that Polygon exists is to solve this infrastructure problem and to make it so that like when we do have a killer app, it's not going to run into like massive and intractable scaling limitations. The second part of Polygon strategy is to do something that I think historically Polygon has always been really good at, which is to do BD and to invest in founders and give grants and like build community around Polygon. And that's something that we are going to continue to do. So Polygon has, has been known to be active with brands and with bigger companies, but I, I think its bread and butter has always been to support creators and builders that are Web3 and crypto native. And I think that that's the right strategy, right? Because if we think about like what is going to be the killer app, it's probably going to be crypto native. It's probably not going to be like a transplant from Web2 or from the traditional financial system. It's probably going to be something like Uniswap or something that emerges out of crypto because that's what happened with the internet and with iPhones and with like all these past computing platforms. I'm happy you mentioned the big partnerships with Web2 companies. And um, the last time I had someone on the show from Polygon, that was one of the things that we discussed. And it makes me think about what we should expect next from the Polygon ecosystem and the Polygon team. What's the future going to look like? What's happening in 2024? I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to mention, but people have been speculating um, an airdrop <laughs> and all sorts of things. What, what's happening um, in um, so that's a good question. I do have to say, and this is going to be a lame answer, but the airdrop and, you know, all the new partnerships or whatever, that's sort of above my pay grid and not my area of expertise. So I unfortunately have nothing to share about an airdrop or sort of any BD specific things. But I can say that in 2024, before you go on, is this what you are all asked to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just reading from my script right now. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I will say that uh, for my team, which is just on the on the technical side, 2024 I think is going to be a big year, and it's going to be the year where if we don't deliver on this promise of scalability and unified liquidity, we're at least going to be able to see the finish line at the end of 2024. And I think that we're going to be able to make a lot of progress toward a very compelling vision that Polygon has, and I think that you know. It's always a good idea to have faith in the BD team and have faith in Sandeep that he's going to be able to drive a lot of activity and excitement and interest to Polygon. Sounds like an exciting couple of months coming up. Thank you very much, Brandon, for joining me on the show. Hopefully we get to talk in the future when there are more updates and hopefully an airdrop. Thank you very much for joining me. I can neither confirm nor deny, but yeah, thank you very much, Elijah, for having me. And I really appreciate the questions and hope we can talk soon. All good things must come to an end, and so does our show. You've been listening to Hashing It Out by Cointelegraph, where we talk about crypto and everything Web3. I'm your host, Elisha, at GH Crypto Guy on Twitter. And if you liked this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Please do this, it will really help us out. I need to get out of my mom's basement. Don't get me fired. Subscribe, 
wherever you're listening to us, leave a review and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.